Welcome to the Heroes of Reality Podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Welcoming Adventures, Dylan here. And on today's podcast, I have Tiana Lawrence. She is a technologist, an author, a pioneer in blockchain industry, a true force in the venture capital space. She currently is the general partner at Lawrence Innovation, an Austin, Texas-based pre-seed investment fund with a focus on early stage tech companies in the fourth industrial revolution. 4IR, verticals that are tackling some of the most pressing challenges in the world's facing. Uh, other core priorities for her as fund is having a robust portfolio of companies founded and led by women, undercapitalized entrepreneurs and geographies. Tiana also co-founded uh, Fatcom, a blockchain innovations company, and is set to release her third book, NFT for Dummies, in Q1, preceded by Blockchain for Dummies, an introduction to blockchain technology. So without any further delay, I would like to welcome Tiana. Hi, Hello. how's it going? Doing great. How are you doing today? So good. It was a lovely day. Yeah, beautiful. Yep. I'm super excited to talk to you. Um, I love the areas of people that are using capital to do good in this world and especially working with cutting edge technologies. I think that that Nexus Point is having like maximum impact with cutting technology, cutting edge technologies and impact for good and trying to serve un underprivileged people. I'd love to learn just a little bit about your journey and what got you into being an investor in this space. Uh, thanks for asking. Um, I've, I've always been fascinated by money. I, I think my first experience with it was probably about the age of four and I was begging my dad for a quarter and I really wanted to buy some gum. I know this is a long story to get to. How did you become an investor? Let's, let's do it. Um, but I was, I just became fascinated. I'm like, adults mm -hmm. work all day for this. This looks kind of like a rock, like what's wrong with people? Um, and that led me to being just generally curious about mm -hmm. investments and money and, and, and how to, I saw very quickly, like that money gave you a voice. It gave you choices yeah. and it could also create safety. You know, my family grew up, I was very poor growing up. So, uh, you know, there's food scarcity and access to medicine and access to education that was just not easily available. Like I, I wasn't able to um, go to college right away. Um, and so I spent my early 20s learning how to build companies. And I did that because I made a, a goal when I was 18. I was like, you know what? I really want to have a purpose. I want to be useful in the world. Yeah. And I think this is something that I'm really passionate about is companies and technology. I need to find a way to be able to support those types of industries that I think will make the world a better place, like sustainable food, sustainable housing, and technology that lets, lets us live like longer, healthier lives. And so from like waiting tables and just in generally always being interested in money, uh, you know, I just sort of worked my way up through the companies I built um, and always reinvesting in myself and my education and the next company that I would found and try to get off the ground. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. how I got into it. Got it. So I mean, you went from being in a place where you knew the pain of not having money, you knew the pain of being in like, you know, poverty or, or struggling at least. And then you, and, and because of that, you said, okay, I want to actually make an impact first with myself. So you created your own business. There's businesses to kind of get up and going. And then you took that money, 
which is great. And I always think one of the best uses is to reinvest it in yourself and reinvest it in the cause so that because you know the best investment is really the the stock of you the stock of you know how you can learn and grow so um what were some of the lessons and um things that are come to mind that have been the, the the impactful for you as you've been trying to build your own businesses and 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 grow into the space yeah that's a good question um i think the question you know you you brought up poverty and that popped that up in my mind um and that was actually a, a lesson that i learned um early 20s, started a company in Argentina um, and learned what poverty actually looks like. Uh, I grew up in a small town. My parents worked. I worked as a teenager. Um, so, but like, that's a really different kind of poverty than people that just don't even have a chance and an economic system that sucks. So it's like, even though I wasn't able to go to college, I could go to a free public library that had access to the internet and any book I wanted to read. Um, and then I grew up with enough privilege that I was able to, even though you know, I was living paycheck to paycheck, I was able to work my way up. And I, I think that's one, um, the blessings of what, it's, what it is to um, be born now in this country um, and that that's not something that was universal. And that was something that was a major lesson in my life. It shifted me more to um, like think about compassion for everybody mm -hmm. and how do I make the kind of world that you know everybody can live in? Because I think like we see all these conflicts in our 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 world and in our communities now, and I think it has to do a lot with um, people feeling like they can't get ahead, like their life isn't getting better. That's a challenge. As humans, like we really love progress. We love yeah. to grow. We love to expand. We like to always feel in it. And when something like knocks the wind out of our sails or, you know, it, it cuts us down, we, we, we get the sense of hopelessness, the sense of, uh, I don't want to say victim mentality, but a sense of like, I can't, and this is just too much. Right. Yeah. So, so how, how have you been able, cause I'm sure you've had issues when this, this has happened where you're like, it's going to go great and everything's going to go perfect. And then it get, gets taken from you. Um, what's happened to you in those situations? And then how do you, how do you, what I'd say armor up against the throws and arrows of life that to knock you down? What does that, what does that look like? So you can stay strong. Um, I would actually say it's the, uh, the armament. <laughs> <laughs> Because there's, there's the skills and tools that get you to one level. And then there's completely, you have to basically unlearn everything you learned to then move past that. Mm. So it's like, um, you know, I, my father was a special forces. And he taught all of us, you know, I was in the middle of five kids. He taught us all to be very tough, to be very strong, and to suck it up. And... Um, you know, to push through through pain, to never be intimidated by anybody, um, and never let anybody, uh, you know, talk down to us. To be strong-willed um, and independent, and so all of those things, I think, really allowed me to survive and thrive. Um, I wouldn't wish that kind of education on many people, <laughs> but it did make me who I am, and I like who I am. That said. Um, what I learned was that when I really needed to collaborate, I need to learn how to ask people for help, which is really hard. It's mm -hmm. a, it's something that, um, is very vulnerable. And, um, 
something I wasn't good at asking for because I'd, you know, built up all this self-reliance in it. You know, if you want to build a business, you need to count on people, you need to hold people accountable and you need to be able to ask. And um, that, that was probably one of the, the bigger things that kind of shifted for me. Man, it's, it's so interesting. Um, if you look at what you're talking about there, it's funny because like with kids and you see them, like you want your kids to grow up um, in a safe environment, but you also want them to grow up really strong and resilient, but you can't yeah. have both. You can't, <laughs> you, you have to, they have to face some sort of challenges and get their butts kicked and get knocked down to get that resilience in their system. But then also that it seems like what you're talking about, you have to switch out the tools in your tool belt as you're going along and you're evolving because you do need, there are some times when, you know, the whole world's against you or you feel like, and, and no one believes in you, you've got to make it happen. Even if everyone says you're crazy. <laughs> and then other times you need to be yeah. able to, you need to like have that whole, like, okay, take in opinions of others. Cause some entrepreneurs, they're doing just stuff that just will not work. And they just, they are uncoachable. They don't take the feedback. They do not adjust. They, and they, they strong will themselves. And then until they hit the dirt. Right. And then they, 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 they you know, crap out. So, how have you seen that, like that progression of those things? Like, cause I'm seeing you, 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 you bring companies from pre-seed through other stages. Like what's the, the, the growth cycle process that you've seen people go through as they need, cause as a company expands, they need to expand. So what have you seen along that path? You know, um, it's, uh, it's amazing because you get to see people, um, achieve their greatest you know, they're great. And sometimes even more than they ever expected yeah. in their lives. They get, and you, you get to see them, uh, you know, potentially change the world. And, um, and you also get to see people fail and you get to see people be ugly, um, in ways that you, you couldn't even imagine. Um, and that all happens in the drama of a startup. It, it's such a epic journey. Um, and the, the reality is that most people fail, um, especially when the stakes are so high, it's like specifically in venture, it's like you need to have a company that you know, you know, can can have that exit, right? And that means it needs to have a valuation potential at least over two two billion. So you have to think that's a massive market. How is this person going to grow from just them to a team of potentially hundreds of people in order to get to that stage? Mm -hmm. And you know, ninety percent plus are are, are going to die. And so like. I think part of it is setting the right kind of expectation. And that's something I did in my own entrepreneurial journey. Um, I remember I was in the library and I was reading books, trying to figure out how to start a business. And I read some kind of little passage in one of them. And it's like, you know, nine out of 10 companies are going to fail. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to at least try 11 times uh, <laughs> to do this. So I was like setting the, ex the right expectation, right? So it's yeah. like, that's also part of it. Yeah. Well, there's a part I, I, your, your grit is showing. I'm going to say on that one. And you're like, you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to, I am harder than everybody else. And I'm willing to grind through this more than anybody else. And I'm going to make this work. And even I, I'm going to outlast the competition, which is valuable, which is valuable. Um, so, uh, and by the way, you're, you're from the era of my era of going to libraries. I remember going to libraries. I've done those things. So yes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, nowadays a little different. They'd probably go on TikTok for business advice. You know, that's kind of the the, the new thing. I'm guessing. I don't know. I think it is. Uh, it's embarrassing how many 
goat videos and cat videos and just puppy like animal videos in general I see on TikTok. I have other friends and and like the algorithm just gets them totally different videos. I'm like, how does it know? It just it's <laughs> it's such a powerful system for learning if you if yeah. you use it right. But sometimes like I'll like I'll dive into it and I'll get lost into the wilds and I and I feel like the the bad guy from Terminator 2 that gets dropped in the lava where I'm in there for a while and I go, oh <gasps> I'm like, what am I doing here? And I try to like reach to get out of the thing. And I was like, oh, get me out of it. And I got to like uh, get yep. away. It just hooks you. It's all these amazing little hooks of information. And it's a, but it's a way we like to learn, you know? Um, but I think there's, there's value in adopting the systems. Like how have you, cause I mean, you're at the cutting edge with a lot of this stuff with blockchains, with a lot of these, these investments, things you're doing. How do you, shift your identity how do you adapt to new technologies what does that look like for you to 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 continue to innovate yourself and grow um i think it's about like you know following your own um curiosity and passion then it makes it easy to to um consume things that light you up right so it's like you know i think that's you know lean into the things that feel good in your life uh, and keep on doing more of those. Um, and I just happen to have the kind of personality tick that really enjoys learning about, you know, protein folding and, uh, you know, artificial intelligence and, you know, distributed networks and all, you know, that whole spectrum of things that are just now happening. Um, that's what lights me up and makes me happy. So I just really enjoy researching it and I don't think about it. I just do that. Um, so I think I think that's how you do it, but we don't Follow, know. Yeah, okay. That's fair. <laughs> I don't that's know a, how other people do it because I know that that's a weird brain tick that I have. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, there, there's a there's a power in being obsessed, like finding passions and obsessions, and that's what I mean. Helped me with my my businesses before, where like I've had ones where like I was getting in and things weren't working out because I was trying to be something to everybody, and then like I came across a thing that like I was like, oh, this is incredible. And then I pivoted my business into something I was passionate about and then it became, you know, successful mm -hmm. and, and it was great. And I sold the business and it was, everything's awesome. Um, but then that, that was one thing that intuitive entrepreneurship that like, if like, if I like this and other people like this, if there's value in me and it's hard because finding it, it, it's a, it, it seems like with entrepreneurship, you want to find that balance between what lights you up and, and getting feedback from other people to adjust. And so I think that is a very difficult knife's edge to dance upon. And so like, how have you, like, I mean, I know, like, what are some of the, the signs that you see with like, um, let's say, how do you make the choice to who to work with in terms of investing in them and looking for the right things, maybe some red flags or CEOs or, or good things to look for? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, because there is sort of this idea of like com, um, confirmation bias where we go back and say, okay, like this was successful, therefore it will be successful in the future. And that's not venture. Like venture needs to be thinking about what makes the most sense in 10 years or 15 years so that this company, by the time that it's mature, like I'm looking at things at conception and they're not going to be like people aren't going to be excited about them for three to four years. And that can be kind of a scary place to invest because you're like, I'm taking a bet that this technology will change the world. And you have to say, okay, like you can focus in on veins of specific types of technology, like artificial intelligence and connected devices is going to be really important. We can already see 
that. And so the people that were making those bets three to four years ago are going to win big, right? So you have to be there looking for that. Um, and so like, that's one place is like, okay, look, look for the right kinds of technology. And then what I found, which is a little counter, like counterintuitive, like it took me a little bit to figure this out, but it's like success is actually kind of simple in people. It's, um, uh, this, you know, honesty, can they look at something and try to come to the truth of it? They want to see the world as it is. So there's honesty and there's, um, it's this, uh, basically this hardworking obsessiveness, this conscientiousness that it's a thing that keeps them up at night and makes them get up and work when it sucks. That's really important for an entrepreneur. And the third thing, which is, I only think there's really three, um, is you got, you got to be smart. You have to be, you have to be like thinking in a bigger market and not just like what is, but what mm. you want it to be in five to 10 years. So I'm looking for smart, trustworthy, conscientious people. And it's, I think those kind of people can do anything. That's a, there's uh there's some beauty in what you said. And there's also a bit of, I don't want to say hypocrisy, but I want to touch on this, right? Yeah. So what you're, what we're looking at this is, is honesty, right? Absolutely critical, a hundred percent needed and and being able to have those brutally difficult conversations whether it's with customers or uh co-workers or in investors whatever that looks like but being able to look in the mirror and say okay this is what is and have those uh, absolutely critical the 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 grit 100 percent agree with you need to have that grit and they say like a professional is someone who loves to do uh does what they love but not when they love to do it they still do it through that kind of thing but what you're talking about is this making big bets and expanding into what's possible because you need to have this both thing you need to have this realism and honesty and say okay this is what it is but then you also have this crazy vision of predicting what's possible with imagination yeah. those are two very weird things that it's hard to, to live in both because you have to have enough realism but then enough vision to be able to and that's a hard thing to balance between those two things you know, you know what i'm talking about otherwise they're bullshitting themselves sometimes so if it was easy, everybody would do it, and <laughs> and ninety percent of companies wouldn't fail. It's a, it's a nice edge, man. Uh, but it's, it's have you yeah. have you ever had to? Let me ask you, like, yeah. have you ever had to? And this is, might be a hard question for you to answer. Um, have you ever had to let go of a CEO who wasn't adapting to new marketplaces and new stuff? Have you ever had situations like when do you draw the line between coaching someone? and or kicking them out of the company and bringing in someone that, that can bring it to where they need to go. And that's a really hard place to be. And I know it's a difficult top, topic, but I do wanna address this because you're talking about why people fail and when some people need to let go and or adapt. Um, you're absolutely right. And the longer I've been doing this, <laughs> the more I believe that people only change if they want to. Are they coachable? Do they wanna hear? your advice? Do they trust your advice? Do they respect you? And if any of those things aren't true, then I, I'm not going to waste my breath. I'm not going to, I'm not going to throw good money after bad. I'm going to look at it as a sunk cost. Um, and yes, that that's frequent. It happens to me 90% of the time. <laughs> so, um, it's not fun. Cause it's like you, you have to believe in something so much. It's like this 
little baby and you're like, oh, this thing is going to grow into such an amazing thing. But then you see that the people that are behind it, that are pushing it, that are creating it, um, you know, have lost faith in what they're doing. They've been burned by their partners. They've just, they're just exhausted. You know, they're working too hard and they're not asking for help. Um, I see that all the time and it's heartbreaking, but it's sort of like part of the things that I've accepted that I can't control um, and just part of the game. And I have to factor that into how I think about investments. Mm. Yeah, that's a, it's a really hard question. And, you know, I, I wasn't trying to gut check you here up front. Yeah. Um, no, but it's, it's fine. It's an, it's an important thing to know, though, in terms of um, with, I think, a lot of, uh, you know, you, you look at it from one side as, as someone who is like an entrepreneur and in that space is you're always like when you're getting investment, it's a marriage, it's a relationship. And it's something that growing together and evolving together is that if you if you don't grow together, you're going to grow apart. And that could that could lead to terrible situations. Mm -hmm. And so how do people, you know, adjust and grow with those times? I think it's a critical thing. So like, um, I mean, my question is like, when you come into <clears throat> the marriage of a of a investment, um, what do you think are some valuable pieces that you bring in? Like, how do you add beyond the beyond the money part? Like, how do you what are the ways that you see yourself contributing to the, the business itself? Back when I was the um, the CMO of Factum, um, I was not exactly well loved um, because I was very clear on what we were doing, what we weren't, and I was very strict about what we could talk about. <laughs> Anyways, not well loved, and I remember somebody trying to diss me and be like, "Oh, they're very relationshipy," you know, <laughs> something like that. And I've just embraced that as like, you know what? Uh, I want to build strong relationships and use my network to connect people uh, because ultimately every business that we're in is in the human business um, and every product we've created is for human consumption in some way. And so like never looking at people as just objects or part of a path, but a part of a network and how can I best facilitate that for healthy growth? Nice. That's that. And hundred percent like, human superpower is to like collaborate through space and time. Like that's what allows us to dominate. Like we are able to take over this planet, but we're very squishy little meat bags that can get crushed by things. So <laughs> yeah. it's, but we're, 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 but we're really good at working together. You know, we're really, really good at it. Um, so I love the fact that networking and really connections uh, is, is, a, is a superpower of yours, which I think is great. In terms of the, the investments that you made, is there one, that you're particularly proud of? Do you have a moments and things where you can look back through your career um, in, in the space of investment or things that you've done and say, this was meaningful, this was worth it, this was something that is rewarding? Um, I feel like now you're setting me up because then I'll say one and then all the other ones will be like, hey. How about a story? How about a story without saying the person's name? Oh gosh, yeah. Uh, why didn't you say uh, my name? Okay. Okay, if you had a personal story, maybe a meaningful story about an impact of a certain product or something. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't a set you up podcast. <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah. Um, I was going to throw out something totally uh, innocuous, um, okay. but that was like a crazy bet that I made, which was early in, in, in the crypto space. And mm -hmm. so believing in Bitcoin and in um, uh I had, I was, one of the first projects I worked on was a hardware manufacturer. 
that built mining rigs. Um, and I was fascinated by it because I was like, oh my God, like I want to create distributed internet. I could see the potential for Web3. Like this is a way of of creating distributed networks that are resistant to being taken down. And I'd read um, uh, Taleb's book on fragility, uh, Black Swan and anti-fragile. And I was like, oh my God, this is exactly what we need in order to make sure that we have knowledge in the future in a connected world. Um, so that would be probably one of my crazier, like, like nobody else understood. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a, you know, uh, at that point I had a, uh, I had a, a company that I was running. I had a three bedroom house in the suburbs and I was mining Bitcoin in my living room with something that sounded like two shop vacs plugged in at all times. It may or may not have ended my marriage. <laughs> Like yeah. that would be probably one of my crazier bets that was more on a, an industry specifically yeah. um, and less of that, that kind of gets me out of the hot water of being like, this one company is better than all the other ones. That's a good, yeah, we'll, we'll keep it. We'll, let's, 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 let's keep it that way. Uh, and uh, it's funny because it goes from uh, crazy to prolific to commonplace, right? And those are yeah. kind of the places that would kind of evolves with that, with these uh, new concepts. And what would you say to people um, I've heard this before saying, oh, well, um, uh, there's no point to get into a cryptocurrency right now or any of that stuff because the the wave's already been here. I've missed my opportunity because I'm not getting in at, at, at Bitcoin at $100 or whatever it might be. People say there's no point. Um, what would you say to people that are maybe hearing about it, they're hearing about the wave and things? What would be some advice you would give them? You know, I think what we're seeing right now is a shift from the current way the internet works to the future of the internet internet and things like um, NFTs and how it's evolving this idea of like what a product is, um, is huge. And we're just seeing the impact of um, these distributed companies that are built through through blockchain and the, the automation of decision making uh, in an agreeable manner. And so like we're also seeing startups that are coming up with AIs that can read contracts better and faster and cheaper than humans. So what happens in that kind of world? And I just think like that's more of the edge of like what happens in a in in complete globalization. So we've been talking about globalization and like the flattening of earth for a long time about how people everywhere will soon have access to the same kind of um, resources and that, that that's necessary towards global stabilization is through, is through that sort of thing. So what are, what are the tools necessary for that? And where are we in that life cycle? So it's like, there are now starting to become companies that are publicly traded that um, are facilitating these kind of things around supply chain. Um, and that would be one of those places to look as well. Mm -hmm. And so this is just sort of like the beginning of that. So it's like, yes, it, you know, Bitcoin is at a certain certain type of maturity, right? It's been around for, for more than 10 years. Um, it has global recognition. But what are the, all the other technologies that are now um, proliferating because of this technology? Mm -hmm. and it's, it's truly incredible. And I'm seeing amazing investment opportunities all across Web3 that are facilitated through the things that we learned um, from, from Bitcoin. Yeah. And I mean, it's a really good point because it's it's an evolving cycle at times, and it's yeah. it's easy to look back and predict and connect the dots and say, oh, duh, of course. Um, but that projecting forward is a little bit more challenging. But what you're looking, would you touch on some really interesting points? You're, you're looking at value chain, 
right? What a part of the value chain is something, a, a, an essential piece? How does it, how does it add value across? And if you could predict outwards, like when AI meets smart contracts and that, and that value, okay, how can that exponentially help the ability to generate value or speed a process? Cause really there's only a couple of ways to really generate value, uh, create money, save time, at least, you know, lower friction. There's, there's common, common things here, or really taking something esoteric and providing it to the masses, everybody be their own doctor, you know, that kind of stuff. So there's a couple mm -hmm. of few ways to, to see this when it comes to NFTs, right? Um, and this is, uh, what do you see in the NFT space that actually generates value with them? What are ways that people can actually step into the NFT space and look for what's the value and what's a gimmick? What's something that actually helps and what, what is something that's just going to be kind of possibly, uh, you know, vaporware? Yeah, that's a good question. So, um, I, I looked at the space and said, okay, this is kind of incredible because it lets us create, um, this this new type of asset that can be distributed uh, and exchanged in an interesting way. So one of the, one of the companies I looked at doing was basically, um, do you know what geotagging is? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, so it's like you have a physical object that's in a specific geolocation and people can go find it. So it's like, imagine like uh, geotagged rare digital objects. So basically like an NFT that is located in a certain spot and then people have to come to that spot to engage with that specific item. So this starts to, you start to see the merger of, of multiple different types of industries. So it's like we have augmented reality and we're starting to see like that that's going to be in the near future. One of the um, companies that I invested in, she's working on uh, being able to have lenses that feel almost like you're wearing a pair of Ray-Bans. Um, and you can see uh, different types of um, like a pop-up display. So you could then engage in a more seamless way. Like I don't mind wearing my sunglasses. I want to wear them every day. So if they could be part of what I already like, and they also let me interact with both the physical world that I'm in and the digital world that lays on top of it. So that's sort of like one of those pieces that I think things like NFTs and that kind of and that kind of thing would be really interesting. And we're just starting to see those. A friend of mine has a company that does that now with Fortune 500 brands and allows them to engage with their customers and new types of like on-demand in-person marketing that we just didn't have before. Like we're, we're always mm -hmm. going for people's attention. So imagine being able to do that almost like a Pokemon Go style. But now yeah. instead it's like Starbucks and Coors and not that those are those, those yeah. things. I'm just naming brands. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> naming no, brands. I, no, I understand. Yeah. No, it's actually really cool. Um, I mean, what you're talking yeah. about is the, is the geotagging specific geotags. Actually I built, um, uh, cause I run a software development studio. We built mm -hmm. an augmented rally thing for a, a blockchain conference where you could like geotag these locations and right. you kind of like you'd hunt around for the different keys, like a silver key, a gold key, and you'd find yep. the ones and you unlock uh, crypto when you'd find the gold cases. And so you could set them up and you geotag locations. This was like 2017. Yeah. Um, but, but it's great tech and it's, and it makes it, there some things are valuable also because they're a game because they're fun that gives you something to do and, it, and it's an adventure there's like value in the adventure which i think is yeah. which is really cool what you're talking about there and if you could actually like add value to someone's life by making a fun game into something and then have you know product market brands and maybe maybe sponsored by patagonia or someone else where you're like you're going through things i could i could see that um being being really valuable and probably having nfts attached with it um 
with you. You you have actually created a book uh, uh, for dummies on blockchain and these other spaces, right? Uh, yeah, um, my editor actually sent me a sent me a box. It came early for Christmas. Oh, look at that! <laughs> they're not they're still not out. Uh, the physical ones aren't out yet. But I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Ha yep. Have you have you thought of like? Um, ways to leverage the nft world or things to promote your and your nft book are there things in terms of you have you seen being up uh being in the marketing space are there any things that you're looking to do or uh things that are top of mind actually that was some of the conversations that we had with my editor how do we create an nft of the book and allow people to engage with it um, just like the technology that we're talking about in it, because it's it's lovely. There's a lot of really interesting innovation and royalties um, in marketing, uh, but I I don't think I'm allowed to talk about any of that yet. So, give me your secrets. Share your secrets. Come on, no one's listening. It's fine. It's fine. You're not. Yeah, just a no, private conversation between the yeah, two of just, us. Yeah, yeah. Just just you, and me, and Twitter. It's all good. There's no one else here. Uh, but yeah, so no, it's, it's, but it's interesting to see because you can do so much with it. Right. And that's why I'm really interested. Like, um, there's a, so I come from the world of virtual rowdy and that kind of stuff. That, right. Yeah. Um, and, and there's like this weird thing that kind of goes on where the people from virtual rowdy kind of hate on the people from the crypto space. Cause we're both saying it's the metaverse. Right. And the, and, and the metaverse for VR developers are, uh, virtual worlds that are social that you connect people. And there's an inherent love. When you try virtual reality, your mind gets blown. You love it for what it is, right? But then, but then crypto is like it, there's inherent in the ability to generate wealth and value and, and create new opportunities in ways that no longer we have to be subservient to, um, uh, you know, uh, jobs and businesses and stuff like that. And so I've been trying to get these two guys to play well together in a sandbox, and they seem to fight a bit with each other. Um, my question for you is, do you see, do you see ways to be able to, to, that they can coexist together in a way that actually, um, they can become friends and we can all just get along. Have you, do you have any insights on that? Um, it's so, it's so funny you asked me that because I feel like the, the crypto space can be so, um, uh, maximalist, so, so religious, it's, it's as, as almost like a zealotry. Yes. And there's the one true religion. All the other religions are um, are false and have add no value, um, and are just scams. They're really just scams. <laughs> and so it's like I feel like those kind of fights. I don't mm. like to fight with crazy people. Mm. I'm like I just don't like. I want to talk to people and engage with people that want to create stuff and yeah. they want to use all the tools that are available, they're not excluding tools because of ego. Mm -hmm. um, and they're, and they're, you know, that's the kind of place that I want to be is like around hyper rational people that are trying to accomplish a greater goal and not just trying to like, um, what's the, what am I, what am I talking about here? It's like, kind of like, I don't, I'm having a hard time articulating that emotion, but it's like, I just, I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's that self-righteous kind of, uh, energy of, uh, and they said like, oh, it's coming to mind is like, don't argue with stupid people. They'll drag you to down to a level and beat you with experience. That kind of thing. <laughs> you know? Yes, yeah. absolutely. And not, yeah. I've just, I, I don't, I try to not get into fights. I'm not going to win. So. Yeah. No, and, 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 I, yeah. Ar arguing online is never a thing. That's why I like, yeah. I like these in-person conversations because we can look each other in the eyes. We can have conversations. We can have a, a real talk. It's still virtual and all that jazz. 
but there's still that human connection. There's this weird, sometimes like as we've expanded our technologies, we've lost a bit of our humanistic selves. We've lost a bit of the connections that we have. Like we have social media and we feel so isolated and disconnected, right? And so I really feel like the, these technologies that can bring us together and reconnect us and reconnect heart to heart, um, it can can really change the world for the better. Um, and and so that's why I, one of the things I was really excited to talk with you about is you, you have a thing also called Good Match um, that I thought was a really cool um, concept. Um, could you uh, talk to me just a little bit about what Good Match is and kind of what you're what you're trying to do with it? Yeah, so um, I think myself, like a lot of people during COVID, I was just, um, I felt like I didn't have a lot of efficacy and I saw a lot of craziness happening around me. You know, food food shortages, uh, people going hungry. I'm here in Austin. We had people freeze this year. You know, we had people freezing to death, um, and no water and no electricity for days. Um, and it just it kind of shook me. And I was like, okay, how how do I feel like I I have some efficacy in this world and that I can, you know take the talents and, um, and skills that I have and, and apply them towards helping come up with a solution. Mm. So w one day on a walk, I had kind of a crazy idea and I was like, oh my God, you know, this should totally work like Tinder. We should be able to swipe left and right for local nonprofits and pick out the ones that we like and, and give them money. Um, it'll be great. Um, and so I called up a friend and I was like, hey, <laughs> I got a crazy idea. Please talk me out of this. Uh, and he couldn't. Um, and uh, so we built, uh, we built a swiping app for nonprofits that lets people lo look hyper-locally uh, and swipe. And then we're like, you know what? I think like there's other community leaders. Like I'm a business person first. I was like, you know what? There's coffee shops and wineries and stuff like that that really care about their neighborhoods. How do we help empower them too so they can like so sponsor and support local groups that are like doing good in the world? Um, and so that's what we built and it's going well. I, it's really rewarding. We're actually having a, we're doing a benefit dinner um, this weekend to kind of celebrate the year. It's been oh, awesome. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. I love the fact that you took the principles of Tinder and you used it for a nonprofit. I mean, it's geo. Keeping it spicy. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's geolocated impact. And the thing is like, a lot of people that I've seen when they try to get into like any kind of space, even like like whether they're you know a, a company or they're a nonprofit, like they're or they're designing something, whatever. It's like we're gonna change the world. We're gonna be the next global platform of online everything. We are gonna be the next metaverse of everything. And when they try that, it, it's like you you have this like moonshotty design, wide eyes things, and you've never built anything. It's like the first thing you try to build is the thing of everything versus this groundswell of these little tiny microcosms, like affecting these small places. If you can go inside and fix these little centers and you could actually have and, and actually have local communities helping each other and you're making those connections, I think that's a fantastic way to um, to actually help from the bottom up versus trying to go top down, um, you know, and, and throw a billion dollars into world hunger, you know, and it's, it's, so how do you have visions for that and how that's going to expand or where you want to see that go? Or is there, is there anything you, you'd like to take that with or have some sort of, um, holy grail vision with it? I, I think you're scratching at exactly what that is. It's, so it's this idea that communities know what they need 
most and the people yeah. living in those communities do. They just need tools that make it easier for them to give when they have that impulse. Uh, and at the level that is appropriate for them, whether they have money or not, they can share or donate or volunteer. Like, you know, it needs to, to fit to that person that person's interest uh, and to into the area that they can help. Like, I think you're right. Like we can't know the problems of another region sufficiently, especially as just like individuals living our lives. Like who am I to suppose that somebody else somewhere needs this thing from me? And should I just respond to like a big conglomerate marketing to me that I should care when I don't, I don't see those people. I don't know those people. Not to say that those efforts aren't really important. I just think, like, as individuals here and now, like, COVID made it really clear that we need to support our own communities. And I think that also comes from my my personal background. Like, we think about how do we, you know, ensure the rights of women and minorities abroad when like in our own communities, we have so many people that don't have enough food, they don't have proper shelter, they don't have access to education. Um, and we forget that like massive things are happening in our own community and we have the ability to actually affect them and way more than we have to affect somebody somewhere across the globe. And I, I wanna emphasize like I'm not against helping people globally, I actually think that that's really important and part of my personal mission. But this is how I can get there, is by creating these little decentralized networks of people acting on what they know best. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like trying to push down, do you wanna to try to push down like a one inch domino that hits another one inch domino? Or do you wanna to try to push down a building that's the size of it, you know, that's a domino yeah. shape to drag it down. And, and so you're starting from the from the bottom up, which I think is the, the right way to go about it. And and is is but everyone's everybody wants to skip the line. Nobody, everyone's so impatient. They want to go to the front, you know, they want to go to the top, you know. I want to cure all of global hunger, you know. It's, it's, <laughs> It's what they yeah. want to do. It's hard though. It's and so you talked about your personal mission. So yeah. you said it is my personal mission too. Can you can you please elaborate on your personal mission? You know, it gets back to you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like everybody needs to have that that bigger purpose um, in their life, and I think that that is is the thing that helps you get up in the morning um, and do it you know, get up and work even when it's hard, even when you don't feel like it, uh, even when you feel bur burnt out. Um, yeah. And so for me, uh, I think probably because I, I struggled a lot with my self-esteem early mm -hmm. in my life. So it's like, how do I have a mission so big that if I fulfill it, that I'm enough? <laughs> You know, <laughs> you know, just to be, just to be vulnerable with, you know, just, it's just you and me, right? Yeah. <laughs> just you and me. Um, and, but, you know, out of that, I actually found, um, I kind of, I think everybody goes through their own sort of like hero's journey on the other side of me realizing that I would never be enough unless I fixed myself. Um, and then picking myself up after, after that and saying, okay, like, what do I actually want to do with the rest of my life? Like I accomplished a lot of goals early and then I was like I wasn't supposed to be done and now I don't know what to do and I'm bored and I don't have any purpose and meaning and that makes me sad and I shouldn't be sad because I have money and I have friends and I have like all these things and it's you know how do you but I realized like you really have to stick to like this bigger thing and so for me I was like you know what I still 
want to have impact in the world. I still want to be useful in the world. And I've cultivated these skills. Um, I should put them to use. So that was sort of, for me, how I got there, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it totally does. It is funny. I appreciate your honesty with this, the whole like, am I worthy? Do I have value? And if I, but if I do this good thing that I have, then, then people will love me. Then will people, then I'll be accepted. But we all, we, it's funny because like, because we do know that like, it, it's, it's, we have to love ourselves. Like, like if, you know, usually the people in the most cause the most pain is because they're in pain themselves. Um, and a lot of people, they, they hit those echelons where they go from, from, from uh, scarcity to abundance. Right. But then when they hit that abundance, they feel empty because they're like, I put in all this effort and still I feel empty inside. And then you got to find a purpose beyond abundance to, to yeah. keep, you, keep you up and rolling. Uh, but everyone's different. Every flavor is different. Every game's different. Like, and, and it's also, it's cool. If you look at like for you, the struggles that you've had, your life, your own background, um, you, you're, you're, you want to serve the next generation of people that are on the path to do good. And that's what fills you up. And I think that's really cool. Um, how have you dealt with the, um, there's still the intertoyma of like, I'm not enough. I'm not, whatever, insert whatever, uh, uh, ruminating mind things that are going on with you. Um, uh, besides the higher purpose, like how have you, how have you, you know, how have you, um, processed that? How have you, since you've had time and the ability to reflect and you have more space now, have you, have you been able to use things to allow you to kind of, um, uh, gain more love or peace within? Um, you know, I think like a lot of people, I've tried a lot of different things. You know, I think everybody should try therapy. It's great. <laughs> um, I think some of the things that helped me the most uh, was I had to get alignment because I'm very thinky. I think a lot. Uh, and I had to figure out how to find my emotions um, and then know what they were and name them. Um, and then have alignment between what I, what I was feeling, what I was thinking, what I was saying, what I was doing. So this sort of like mm. complete alignment in who I was as a person. Yeah. And then using tools like, I'm a big fan of stoicism, Epictetus, like one of my favorite humans. I like reread and reread. I'm like, remember the things that you can and cannot control. So that's part of like the mind. So get the yeah. mind, like let go of the things I can't control. Get the emotions, acceptance of like, yes, I'm angry and that's okay all emotions are beautiful. So it's sort of like these little tweaks. Yeah. Yeah. Those are incredible. I love stoicism. Uh, I, I love Marcus Aurelius. I have a yep. memento mori on here, a bunch of little skulls remembering the dead. And so like, I completely resonate with those things. Oh, what you got there? Look at that. A, a That's torn up version. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it, it's funny, like thousands of years ago, they had it figured out. They had a lot of things figured out that like, we're still like, oh, it's what it's like, it's funny. Cause like, even though we've evolved for thousands of years, right? Like the, the, the drama and the, the stuff that we go through is still the same. It's still the same bullshit. It's still the same drama. And the same thing's true. With like, if you look like a three-year-old, their emotions are just as valid as like a seven-year-old. Like the emotions don't evolve. You still have like drama and stuff and you still gotta, gotta have that, don't gotta, but you have the option of using a stoic mindset to, to be able to kind of process in that acceptance. So you touched on like, you kind of glossed really quickly across a bunch of really cool things on like, gotta accept myself, gotta accept my emotions and it's all true and pure, but I also have to, I also have to process it stoically. So um, I think that's, I think it's wonderful um, that you put all those pieces together. Um, uh, how do you like when, let's, let's shifting here and looking at like, 
the investment side of things like in terms of like do you how how do you bring that into the investment world and how do you how, do you have philosophies that you carry over from these mindset pieces that you then bring into the areas of um uh investment in these spaces yeah i think like one of the things that has helped me with investing is that right. i come up with my sort of like my rule set first it's like, okay, what is the framework that I want to be investing under? Like a, a larger one of like, um, you know, in my my 20s, I was very aggressive in investing. Um, yeah, I was willing to look at things like, like Bitcoin before it was cool. Like, what are the kinds of things that will elevate me to the point that I can make more interesting decisions? And that that's risk profile right so it's like i made the decision that after i turned 35 that i would start looking at more conservative investments i know i'm still in venture but it's all relative right um <laughs> so it's like okay like how do i start making different types of decisions relative to where i am mm -hmm. so that's part of that's part of any i think any sound investment is like you have to have your game plan and stick to your game plan but also be like cognizant of like what's in the field like what's happening in the now mm. um so that's that's part of it and then like when you're looking at an investment specifically doesn't does it hit your investment thesis or are you just caught up in the emotion of it and sometimes these things like one of my favorite strategies which probably i'm not well liked for all the time but it doesn't matter <laughs> is I take as long as possible to make big decisions. And that means like, I need to sleep on something. I don't let myself get rushed into things. I wanna think about it. I wanna talk to um, people in that field that might know more than me mm. and say, okay, like this seems really interested and I'm excited about it, but what do I not see? Um, mm. And then from the, you know, from another perspective, it's like, am I, am I just investing in what comes to me? Cause it can be really, easy to get lacy and say, okay, I'm just going to invest in what shows up in my inbox or what people hit me with versus going out and looking for the kind of investments that fit within my thesis, including like finding minority founders and finding women founders, um, which I've had to stop myself. I'm like, oh my God, I, I'm like, I, I know that they're out there. Let me go find them and let me go find not just a person so I have a token, but somebody that's extraordinary, that's doing something amazing that I um, want to support. That's beautiful. So is is your thesis around the minority like like is that is that the main thesis? Is there more is there more pieces to it? Or like what is what does your thesis look like? Um again, you have to have alignment between your emotions and your thoughts. So on an emotional level, I think it everybody wants this idea of fairness. I think that's innate in humans, like this idea that we want things to be fair. So that's from an emotional perspective. But a lot of times, it's still investing. You need it to have a return. It needs to be able to have a market that is, you know, greater than than a $2 billion. So it can't be like, you know, I, I, I don't even want to say it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> Like one of those oil companies or like some of these other things. I'm just like, this is not venture worthy. Please go away. <laughs> Please go away. Like, why are you here? Like, I can't help you. And I'm not like filtered. I'm like working really hard on being in alignment with what I think mm. and what I say. And it's not going to be nice. Um, and it's not personal. Um, 
yeah. Oh God, I got so sidetracked there. Um, no, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, just but looking at but looking at right now, there's there's a balance between yeah wanting to have an impact. There's there's two. There, the thing is like uh, we are we are a, a multifaceted creature, right? We have the 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 I don't want to say greed, but we have the desire to to win at the game of money, and then we also have the desire for impact. And yeah. and 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 we we wish we'd have this multi-billion-dollar um, success case that also affected a billion lives and, and had a tremendous impact. And that's like the holy grail. But but it's it's easy because like when you're playing the, this game, it's 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 trying to make these decisions that is not only has this you know mission alignment, but also is a sound investment decision. But they don't always coexist together because what your heart says and what your head says aren't always in agreement. So what what's the order of operations? Is it heart first, then head? Is it has it head first, then heart? And I think that's kind of what you were talking about a little bit right now with the type of investment, if I'm understanding you correctly. Yeah. So I let so it's like I, I would categorize my heart as part of like my instinct. So it's like, yeah. what is that telling me? Yeah. Um, and so I think I have I've unique instincts because it's like I grew up kind of like in a survival mode for a long time. So it's like, I can, I think I'm pretty good at being like, you know what, that's a good human. That human is lying to me. And is that lie, like, what is the nature of that lie? Like, is that just sort of like, I'm uncomfortable and I wanna seem bigger than I am so that I feel safe? Or is that a fundamental deception around like, you know, this is something where I'm trying to con somebody out of money. So it's like there's a there's a I have a tolerance for somebody just being like uncomfortable versus like somebody that's that's there because it's like we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier where you have to have somebody that is like real and hardworking and honest, but at the same time willing to sell something that doesn't exist. Yeah. Right. And so like, is that deception? And mm -hmm. how many CEOs are just like greasy? <laughs> how about that word? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's, yes, 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 yes. And oh, there's a couple pieces I want to touch on right now. That I think yeah. is really, really interesting. Um, so one of them, you're right, is you not only said, okay, that person is a liar, but you said, why are they lying? Right. Is are they, are they, are they lying to be deceptive to you? Or are they actually just uncomfortable and they just don't feel comfortable communicating that? Or is it, are they living in their own fantasy world and they're lying to themselves? I mean, there's a couple of different yeah. layers to that. And one of the things that you did earlier, I want to touch on and bring back for a hot second is when you came to your friend, you're like with your, um, uh, good match company idea, which was, um, talk me out of this. Right. You were you were willing to go to someone and say, I, I got this idea and it can you talk me out of this where you, you opened yourself up to be attacked. You opened yourself up to say, hey, prove me wrong. Not in a way because a lot of people uh, uh, um, that get started with their idea, especially in pre-seed, they're like, I got this amazing nugget of an idea and they don't tell anybody, but they refuse to Google it. They refuse to open themselves up to get attacked. Right. And, and go into it and say, who's your competitors? No one's my competitor. I'm the only one in the space. I'm the best ever. You know, so. so oh, I hate that. It really upsets me. I'm like, oh, please. oh my God. Tell, tell me more. <laughs> no, really, what, what upsets you about it? Get, let, dive into this. Okay. okay. Every human need has been met. Yeah. Whether or not it's been met well is is the question. And that's where entrepreneurship lies, is like, how can I solve this human problem that has always existed 10 times better than how it's currently solved? And if, it's, if they don't have that, 
then it's not venture worthy. Mm. So it's like having the, you know, the, the shift from, I, I like this analogy. So it's like horse and buggy to a car. Mm. That's that 10 X. It's like, yes, this will get you from point A to point B, but it's messy. It's expensive. It's slow. And this other option makes you look cool. It's fast. You park it, you don't feed it. Like all of those things, that's a 10 X. So it's like, that's kind of like part of it. How, how do you like, um, it sounds weird, but I'm gonna say it anyways. How do you like being approached for like when people like what, like when someone comes to you, like, do they need to have like a pitch deck or like, do they need to come and like have something to just demonstrate? But like, what do you, what do you like to see from people when they like, what is a good courtship of, of an investor in, in the space? Like, what is that? What do you want? What do you want out of that? A product that works always. Everybody wants an MVP. They want something that works. Um, in the precinct you know, stage. No, I mean, I was trying to be cheeky. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm curious because it's a great because people get so yeah. in their head and they get they overthink it. And then like, it's like, uh, right? When you're talking about things that you hate to see from people. But so then what do you what do you like to see? I think my brain might wrap around it a little bit differently. So it's sort of like everything has a price. So okay. if you come to me with a back of the napkin scratched or basically like a white paper, like you've, you've thought up an idea, uh, but you haven't built it. You haven't done anything with it. You might not even have a team. You just have an idea. That's at one price. That's at a very, you know, you're, you're thinking about risk. You're like, this is just an idea. So that's sort of like one of those crypto things you see, like people raise, ungodly amounts of money on just that idea and before we didn't think it was really possible but now it exists right like now that's out of the bag um and then on the other side of it it's like the more you've developed a product and you have people willing to try it willing to you know buy it willing to like tell other people about it like those are each at different prices and at different risk profiles so that's kind of like how i'm thinking about it what i hate is when people bring me an idea that they haven't seen whether or not they have competition because it's like every problem's been solved figure out how the problem that you're solving has been solved already and show me how you're 10 times better i hate it when people come to me with that because it's just like clearly you haven't thought about this and then the other part is when they bring me something that just isn't venture worthy like they it will never grow into the market that will allow it to like be able to return capital for an investor. So those are the those are kind of like the two things that I see as around just being very naive and unopen to new information. Ooh, ah, that's a that's a mean combo. Um, the the na naive and unwilling to be coachable, get information. So you don't know anything, and you're willing you're unwilling to accept new information, and that that seems like a bad one two punch. So ooh. Um, that would be annoying, right? Yeah, I could, I could see that. I could, I could, by the way, I could feel your pain as you're talking to me yeah. about this. Like, like, ah, these people, these people. They clog up my inbox, and that also makes me mad. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, oh gosh, yeah. I, I can't imagine the, the, the spamming messages you, you might, you might get for that. Uh, so then, I guess you talked about it a little bit, um, but you're talking about. You've seen the back of the napkin ideas for the crypto space and the NFT space. I mean, in terms of 
what do you look for for those types of investments? What are the types of things that you look for for the say the crypto space and when people normally come into back to nap? And what do you what are you looking for that makes something investable in that area? Um, one that just comes to mind really quickly is um, I made an investment in this company called Chia. Uh, it was founded by uh, Ram Cohen, who invented mm -hmm. shard networks. So he had ideas about how to create other types of distributed networks with um, crypto-esque uh, incentives. And I was like, ooh, that's really interesting because I'm betting on a vertical and like smart people in that. So it's like one, I he's an amazing technologist that has the ca capacity to create like world-changing software. So it's like, I'm looking at the team being like, okay, just take my money, just take my money. I don't care what state, I'm just glad I'm here now because yeah. by the time you have something built, a small time little investor like me, you won't even have the time of day for. So yeah. that's the kind of thing that is like, all right, like I really believe that this person can do it. So it, it's that sort of, that little piece, those things don't come around all the time. But, and I'm not saying that it's always those type of people that change the world or create um, amazing companies. I think anybody's capable of it if they work hard enough and are willing to be open um, and let in new information. Yeah, I mean, what you're talking about there is 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 one of those things where you you know that the team can execute. You you know that they've got the ability to, to do it. The idea is sound in concept, and you understood that if if actually just executed upon would provide massive value. Yeah. Right? So so you're looking at those elements. You're like, okay team plus really the technology, the concept of the execution. And if they, if A plus C puts together, then boom, you, ex you explode outwards. And then that makes it really likable. And really, and what you're talking about really for you is, is um, for an investor is creating safety, creating safety, right? And if, if someone just has the back of the napkin idea and they have no experience and no exits and no, and they, there's nothing, there's absolute uncertainty. It, it's, it makes you feel very unsafe, right? Versus the right team, the right timing, the right traction, all that stuff kind of combined together can make something that you, you, you then it's funny because from it, and I just want to, I just want to note this for people that anybody that's listening is that um, when people sometimes approach investors um, it's like, it's like, they're like the end all be all right. Um, and, and it's kind of like this um, uh, status, like the investor is way up here and the other person's way down here. But the, but you do know in the right place, right time, you, you said, oh, well, I'm just, I'm a tiny little investor. I'm lucky to be in front of these people. And it's really about if if you bring enough to the table, if you have enough skin in the game, if you've earned the right to be there, it's it's really not like one side or the other side. It's, it's really like what what value are you bringing to the table and, and how much do you guys all believe in the opportunity that really shows you a sense of, um, feeling lucky or grateful or feeling like someone's wasting your time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think it's easy to get caught up in your, in your ego. You know, it, I, I don't know. I, I don't think investors have a monopoly on that though. I freely admit <laughs> that it, it can be a head trip. Um, it's sort of like, I, I feel like I want to cultivate it. Yeah. Um, I, I was told I have that kind of nose that makes me look, um, very arrogant. And so I'm like, I really want to lean into just me as a person. Like, how do I lean into being approachable and, um, kind when I can be always fair. Um, and, and uh, like, that's like, I want to 
be real, you know? Yeah. Mm, that's hard. Like, I mean, we talk about like, well, I mean, looking at, cause you're looking at this from a perspective of like ego and check, but this part is like knowing what you want. I mean, it's your money, you're investing it. It's your thing. And, and you're not going to always make the right decision. Um, when, when doing things, but at the same time, and people are going to hate on you because at the same time, people get hurt and their ego gets hurt. And if, and especially when they're, when they're new in the space, when they're new to anything, um, there's a lot of identity attached to a thing, right? Yeah. But the, the more professional you are though, the less, the less identity is attached to a thing. When you're, when you're the first artist and it's your first painting, you put it out there and you're like, oh, please like me and accept me for my thing. Right. It's really hard. But after, you know, 10,000 vases that you make or paintings or whatever, someone shits on it. It's just like, meh. Yeah. What do you do? So I could imagine that, like, you probably get a lot of hate from people that are new in the space and they think that you're, it's all ego, but it's really, it's kind of that, you know, that insecurity that they have. You know what I'm saying? So when I, I yeah. Yeah. I, I, what I, I've said this thing before. I'm, yeah. This is my stress response. Um, I said this thing once. I was like, I am fact up. So it's like when you become like a public face of a company and yeah. you've put your blood, sweat, tears, capital, everything you have into its generation, you can lose yourself into it. And then anybody attacking that um, feels like it's attacking you. And if fails, you were a failure. You know, and it's like, those are things that you're not in control of. And um, like, that was probably part of my journey uh, in, in my early 30s. Uh, sorry, there is a missing child advisory going on right now. Um, apologize, uh, the I was being alerted for that. Um, my bad. Uh, <laughs> okay. I one of those alerts that you know what goes off and mm -hmm. there's a missing child, that kind of thing, which actually it's one of the things I actually do. I do when I see it, I go, Oh, hey, there's this, let's pay attention. What's going on? Anybody around Absolutely. stranger danger? Um, but I'm and not around for that, but I apologize for the segue. Please, let's bring it back in. Um, you were, you were saying, please continue. Special we were response. talking about how it's really easy, especially early in your entrepreneurship career or, or as an investor, actually anybody, to attach yourself to titles, to yeah. objects, like these labels that we give ourselves in order to build our identity versus the humility that those are all self-assigned and kind of fake. Yeah. How have you, do you have a, can you talk to me about a time? Cause you, you really mm -hmm. like, that's a really good one. Like letting go of the identity and the attachment to a thing to then get somewhere else beyond something. That's really, really hard to do because uh, because it's hard. Could you talk to me a little bit about a time that you've had to let go of an identity and shift into something new? I feel like that has been like something that I had to embrace always. It's like mm -hmm. if I if I ever attached myself to identity, like I'm a waitress, this is all I I'm capable of, or you know i i used to love snowboarding i still do but it's like i'm a snowboarder and a skier and like this is who i am and this is my this is all i'm going to be so it's sort of like you know being able to try things on and learn from them and then use what you've learned to sort of apply to other things um that's one of those things i, I just felt like i wanted to always embrace the ability to evolve myself 
um, because when you sort of when you start from basically nothing, it's really easy to get trapped in into the labels that are have been given to you and the ones that you've given to yourself. And if you let yourself get trapped by what other people say about you or assigned to you, you know, you're never going to live your fullest life. You're never going to be able to meet your your greatest and highest potential. Um, and it, you have to make that conscious effort to let those labels go. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta try on identities like an outfit, you know? Yeah. This is on. the outfit for the day. Yeah. Oh, this is what I am today. Now I'm going out and you're off to the races. That's, that's great. A little um, playfulness with it too. Yeah. Oh, we take ourselves so serious. Everything, yes. Everything's do or die. There's just this weird thing that like, cause we've got this like old, DNA thing that rolls inside of us from, you know, from millennia of being hundreds of everything involves. Um, if I fail, then I'm be kicked out of the tribe and I'm be alone and then I'm going to die. Yeah. Like everything, business, relationships, life, uh, you know, whatever, whatever you're into, it's just, but it's hard to shake that hard to shake that stuff and let it go. Um, where you're like, you're, you're not going to die. You're, you're like, you're going to be okay. You're going to survive. Um, but it's, it's, but it's, it's a, it's a, uh, I don't know. There's a, I think a lot of growth that needs to happen for that to work. Um, how, uh, let me ask you this. So you have this, um, personal mission of, you know, having this deep impact and, and helping, um, minorities and women's and, and helping them, um, you know, step into their full potential, maybe trying some new identities as they, as they grow, um, along this path. Um, what for you is the, uh, what I would call the dragon. What is the thing that you battle against that you don't know if you can beat that you might have to um, either accept or get past in order to uh, achieve your holy grail? We are our own monster. Maybe I am the dragon. Uh, it is ourselves, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. that's. I think that's the that's the battle. Um, it's not. It's not external. It's always mm -hmm. in our own head um, first. We're always going to come up against other other people as they are as they are on their own journey right and they're in their own play and they're telling their own stories about themselves and about you and so it's like that's the battle i know that i'm always working on um and it's like less of a fight for me it's more of like how do you learn to embrace and become vulnerable to it because that's the acceptance that's the truth Right. And it's like once you can get to the place where you can name it and know that truth, then you can move past it. And that's that's the that is my everyday journey is like, can I name the truth of this so that I can I can evolve past it? Mm. So you like inside all of us, we have our own dragon. And if we can name that dragon, we can own that dragon, which means we can overcome the dragon by accepting the dragon. That's is correct i think i don't I, maybe i said if anybody's playing a drinking dragon yeah. game they're very drunk at this point at okay. this at this point um it's I, interesting it, uh, no, I, I, it's okay so just yeah. to bring it but bring it back i know it was a bit but but you're, it's an interesting point you're talking about but you are the dragon and then you expect by by knowing what it is being making awareness and bringing it in it loses its power right so yeah which is which is really cool um well it's just a, it it is a challenge along the way. Um, uh, so with all that being said, um, is there anything else you'd like to let people know about before you tell them um, how to get a hold of you and find more of the work that you do? Don't fill up my inbox with spam. 
If you've got a back of the napkin idea, just send it to her. Just send it to her with a, with a, a large request. <laughs> <laughs> just be good at what you do. Uh, be honest, uh, hardworking, um, and have a, a product that's 10x. Then I'm definitely down to hear what you're up to. That's beautiful. And if people do want to reach out to you and they have this, how do they find you? How do they get a hold of you? Uh, they can hit me up on Twitter, uh, Lawrence Tiana, um, or they can shoot me an email uh, at uh, Tiana at Lawrence.capital. Beautiful. Tiana, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for being on the show. I really appreciated chatting with you. Um, it's been a beautiful time. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Have a blessed and beautiful day. I'll see you on the other side. Sounds great. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.